Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It is just wonderful, wonderful to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. This is the season where Jesus must be the reason. Amen. We, as the church, we're always ahead of the game because we know Jesus is the reason for every season, right? But at least during this time, more folks get to come on board. (laughs) And so we thank God for being a part of the church because the church truly is the hope of the world. I don't know if you ever stop and think why God gave you a pastor, but you need to think about that sometimes. God, what what do I need a pastor for? <laughs> Amen. You got to think about that sometimes. And there's there's many reasons behind that. But I can tell you one reason that you want to pay attention to. And that is God will always use his servant to prepare you for what's ahead. So while you can or normally most people just think about the moment and just deal with the moment, God gives you a pastor, a leader to prepare you not only for the moment, but what is to come. And so when you assemble together as the body, when you hear the word of God coming from the pulpit, you need to listen to it and take heed and apply it in your life because God is trying to tell you something. He's not trying. He's telling you something and hoping that you will listen. I was just talking to someone um, not long ago. And from my experience in living for God, when a pastor does not have an agenda and he is just purely, she is just purely ministering the word of God as God leads him or her. When they get a hold of a topic that they can't seem to shake, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. And I feel like lately God won't allow me to not talk about being holy. And so every time, whatever, it doesn't matter what the gathering is, the timing is, he just always gives me something to talk about regarding being holy. And I want you to know that if he's consistently making me speak about being holy, there's something to it, church. You got to ask yourself, are you being holy? Do you love being holy? And if you don't like being holy, you need to pray and ask God to help you to love being holy. Because there's something we know the scripture. He says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so we know that. But it goes deeper than that. And last night, as I was talking to our leadership, I was saying that we have to uh, develop a habit to look deeper than the surface of what we're reading and what we're hearing. We have to develop that habit because when we develop that habit, what's going to happen is we will read something. And when we get the understanding of the surface, then we're going to smile and say, "Okay, God. There's something more to this. There's some deeper things here, and we need to know what those things are. And so you will begin to dig a little deeper because what happens is, and I'm giving you something I believe that God is allowing me to understand. What happens is when you just go with the surface, 
you will now begin to, I don't know, navigate or evaluate on your own what you think that means. And and what we will garner from what we read on the surface is not it's not everything. It's so much more than that. So when God say, be holy, we start thinking at the apostolic church, I need to make sure I look a certain way, you know, and, you know, I got to, you know, project myself a certain way. And that's all we that's the only that's where we stop. I got to look a certain way. And so when when discussions come about and you start to hear and nobody have any deeper explanation of why you need to be holy, then you start deciding, well, maybe I don't have to look a certain way. Because you never went any further than I just need to look a certain way when I say I'm holy. And you never go any further than that. Mm-mm-mm. So the bottom line is I am challenging you as a church so you don't have to pick up the habits of everybody else. I'm trying to challenge you as a church to know the word of God way deeper than the surface of what you're reading. If if all you get from the word of God is at the surface of what you have read, please don't do anything other than what it says at that time until you get deeper revelation. So if the word said be holy, don't question it. Don't try to negotiate it. Just be holy until you get deeper revelation. Because you now know that the word means way more and deeper than you can ever imagine. But at the time you get it, it just means what you got. That's just what you got. But it's so much more. It's so much deeper than what you got. You just haven't received more of it yet. So just keep on doing that little that you know. And eventually you will get to the deepness of it. And then you'll realize, I see why I need to be holy. Because it's so much more than the surface of what we gather from the things that we read. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. Amen. We need to pray for IJ. Let me say this as we go into study tonight. Um, (laughs) We were uh, kidding last night and calling the kids super spreaders. Uh, (laughs) Not nice, but it's kind of true. Uh, the, the kids, you know, they're always interacting with other kids and, you know, their immune system is usually so much more stronger than, you know, those of us that have, you know, live a little bit of time. And so, you know, they can be infected and it not mess with them too much and they'll just keep on running around and do what they do. But they're spreading their stuff. And before you know, you can have something because of the kids. And so. Make sure, you know, we're being good stewards with our children, uh, what they touch, how much they wash their hands, how they interact, and make sure we do everything that we can to keep them safe. And also, us as adults, we have to be mindful again. Uh, We had kind of loosened up just like everybody else, slacking up on how we interact. We got to get tight and tighten up again. No hugging, no touching, you know, skin to skin. You know, do that whole thing that we started doing or that whole thing that we started doing. But let's just do the things that keep us safe, because the truth of the matter is God don't want us to not be together. So let's do what we have to do to make sure we can be together. We need to be together. We're better together. And so we don't want to do anything to jeopardize us being together. 
Also make sure, especially when you are going into any large gathering, if you feel any kind of difference in your body. Those of us that are here tonight and that's joining us also online, you got to pay attention to your body and know when something is just a little bit off. And when that thing is a little bit off, go and get tested for COVID before you get into any large gathering so you don't become a super spreader. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm giving you, you know, sound advice of how you want to handle your business. Um, We've been fortunate, especially in the United States, that we have um, the the, the vaccination and then now they have um, um, the booster shot. And now they have pills. And so, you know, they're doing their best to, you know, keep everything under control. Um, They have already told us that, you know, nobody's exempt from it. But we know that with the vaccination, um, the chances are you the chances of you not going to the hospital and not dying are very high. Ninety percent is what most of them say. So, you know, whatever you have to do to stay safe, stay safe. But as Brother Scarlett and I were just talking The answer to everything is just live for Jesus. The answer to all of it is live for Jesus. When you dedicate your life to Christ and you just live for him, as as callous as this sound, I'm going to say it anyhow. It doesn't matter what happens to me. Mm, You're quiet on that. I'm just being honest with you. When you live for Jesus and you're faithful to him, then it doesn't really matter. I'm not telling you to live reckless. I am saying you live as careful and cautious as you need to be and think about love your neighbor as yourself. So you do all of those things. But whatever happens to you when you're doing all of that, it really doesn't matter. Because if you are living, you are living in Christ. And if you die, you die in Christ. And to be quite honest, at this juncture, You know, a lot of us have lived enough to see nothing different is happening in this world. It would just keep going the same way. It's just going to look a little different. But things will be the same way because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So it might look a little bit different with technology and all, but it's same things going on and on with humans. So just do the best that you can, but live for Jesus. Trust him to the fullest. And let him have his way in your life. Because when you do that, then you know, whichever, whatever happens to me, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. But it's when you're not living for him that you get all uncomfortable, you know, and start worrying about this and worrying about that. Well, hey, you know, there's some great men and women uh, uh, that went on to be with the Lord since uh, COVID started. And guess what? I can just easy will tell you it was just their time. And guess what? They're better off than we are right now because they're not worrying about COVID. They're not struggling with anything going on around here. They're not worried about what the government is doing. They're resting peacefully in the presence of the Lord. And here we are worrying about COVID. So they're better off than us when you really think about it. But somehow we don't want to leave here. So we don't want to think that that's better. But I feel bad if you don't get come to terms with You know, leaving this world in Christ is so much better than being. Listen, when you're in this world in Christ, the only thing that makes you effective is being an instrument that God can work through. So if you're not being an instrument that God can work through while you're in this world, then why even be here? 
not being mean, just trying to help you. Why even be here? So all these people that went on to be with the Lord, really what it might just be is they have done all that they could, all that they, the Lord had called them to do in this world. They had done it all, and it wasn't nothing else for them to do. And whether it's COVID or it was something else, it was just their time because they had done all that the Lord had called them to do. Let's pray for baby IJ tonight. Um, you know, people have been exposed to, uh, to, to COVID. Some of us have to quarantine, not that we're sick, but we just have to quarantine and, you know, all this stuff that's going on. Let's just pray for safety. We have our Christmas banquet tomorrow. We're not canceling it. We're not panicking. Our nurses will still bring um, the thermometer, make sure we have them there and we'll take your temperature. But again, if you feel any kind of way, just, just weird. Go get tested. Please go get tested. If you feel like you want to be there, but you're not feeling at the top of your game, just get tested. And so when you get your test back to say you're negative, okay. But, but just stay away if you're not feeling well. And we're going to have a good time tomorrow. I just believe that this is what God is calling us to do, is to encourage one another to be together and to continue his mission and his will. So let's pray that God have his way tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your goodness. We're so grateful to come together one more time. Great and mighty is your name. We are your children, your people, your body, your church, Lord God. And we're so grateful to be gathered together again, Lord, to worship you in the beauty of holiness, to enjoy your presence, Lord, to experience your love, almighty God, to love our neighbor, our brothers and sisters as ourself, Lord God. We want your will to be done in this house tonight, Lord God. We want the kingdom of God to be revealed and demonstrated. Father, I place myself into thine hands tonight that you may guide and lead and instruct, Lord God, that you allow me to speak your word, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, Lord God. I pray tonight that you would touch our hearing, Lord God, that we may hear what the spirit is saying unto us, Lord God. God, that we will not reject your word, but we will receive and respond in, in, in righteousness and in obedience, Lord God, and in faith that the will of God may be done in our life, Lord. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. We call upon your name. Will you establish and affirm, oh God, your will tonight in this house, oh God, that Lord, the power of God will overshadow us and move upon us and that the kingdom will be revealed in this house tonight, Lord, that the power of God will move upon us in a special way, in a miraculous way. Jesus, have your way tonight, oh great God. We submit to your authority, and oh God, we ask that your hand be upon us, oh God, that you will keep us from all danger, that you will keep us, oh God, from all, Lord Jesus, the entanglement of sin and unrighteousness, Lord, tonight night I pray that you will move upon us. You said no weapon form against us. She'll prosper Lord God. But oh God we want you to keep us and defend us and protect us Lord in the name 
of Jesus Christ. Oh God, let your power rule and reign in this church. Let righteousness and holiness have preeminence in this church, Lord God. Move upon us, Lord, that we will reach our lost world and that the world will know the gospel. Oh God, because you called us and saved us and you're using us, Lord God, to communicate it. We pray for IJ tonight, Lord, that your hand be upon him. That, oh God, healing will, oh God, flow in his body. And, oh God, that everyone that is battling sickness and ailment, Lord, that the power of God, the healing virtue of God will flow in their body and they will be whole and they will be healed and they, oh God, will be strengthened. Tonight, Lord, hear our cry, will you? And let your will be done. We praise your holy name. We thank you tonight, Lord. We bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting and your truth endure it to all generation. Oh, we will bless the Lord at all times and your praise shall continually be in our mouth. Oh, somebody magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we bless your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody try to tell me I'm going to be drinking. What's going on around here? I don't know if I drink that much at night. You know, I get old. I don't want me going to the bathroom all night. <laughs> you may be seated. Amen. I, I met, well, I had a phone call. Someone called a church line today and said they met someone in Wawa and the person was sharing the word of God with them and prayed for them. And they said that they would stop in the church tonight. They were hoping that we can help them out in some kind of way. And I told them, come on. I haven't seen them. them. I see that I've gotten a call, but it's nothing I can do right now. I told them church started at 730. So we'll see how that goes. Amen. We've been talking about forgiveness the past few Thursdays that I've been teaching. And I will continue to teach it tonight. Next Thursday will be our last night on the subject of forgiveness. Next Thursday, so I'm going to continue in forgiveness tonight and then next Thursday will be our final Thursday in forgiveness but I hope that tonight you'll be able to get something take something away from our lesson I want you to also ask yourself this as a Christian what motivates you what motivates you as a Christian and did that motivation translate into the things of God? I was talking to our discipleship folks on Tuesday, and we talked about that, what motivates us. And we kind of talked about how um, we got in, in God or in church for one reason or another, and probably wasn't the real reason, um, but it was some reason, something that interests us and because of something that interests us we got involved with the things of God and then eventually we got the real 
uh, reason for why we should be Christians. And what interests us may not be what is the real reason for us to be Christians. And so I mentioned that one of the reasons why I got involved in God was because of the knowledge that the word of God was bringing forth. And so as I hear the word of God, as I read the word of God, there was there was knowledge that I was gaining. And I'm I'm always interested in knowing. That's why sometimes I feel bad for Jordan. He's really nosy and inquisitive. And and, and right now it's not a good thing because he needs to learn to control that. But that same attribute there is going to make him powerful as he get older. Because what it means is he's he's he desired knowledge. He wants to know. And when you know, when you have knowledge, nobody can take that away from you. And you can do great things when you possess knowledge. So he just have to channel that and be respectful in, in how he carries himself. But that inquisitive nature and that that desire for knowledge can do great things in your life. So I wanted knowledge. And then as I started getting knowledge and start understanding things about the word of God, I eventually now got to the place of now I wanted to know the God of the knowledge that I was trying to get. And so that's where God wants to take all of us. So all of us may 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 get involved in the church, may get involved with God for one reason or another. And that's fine. It's nothing wrong with it. But what God is doing and how he operates is he wants you to eventually get to the place of wanting to know him. So however you start, it's okay. He just wanted to get the hook in you. And that's why you started out the way you started out. But he wants you to get to the place where you wanting to know him becomes the most important thing. And so we need to learn the ways of God and we're going to talk some more about what we've been talking about, and that is forgiveness. So listen up. Two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. Two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. What are those two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness? Okay, one, you do someone wrong. When you do someone wrong, you need to ask for forgiveness. Now, I understand sometimes you might do someone wrong and you might not realize it because, you know what, maybe you're not in a good place. See, that's the other thing. Uh, sometimes we offend people and we don't realize that we offended them because we weren't in a good place. So what is offensive, uh, we probably did not notice. But eventually we will come to notice that was offensive and that's when we have to go and ask for forgiveness. So sometimes you offend someone and you might not know immediately that's offensive. But if you continue your, your walk in Christ, eventually you will get back on the right track and you will know that, you know what, I offended that person and I need to make it right. So then you have to go and ask for forgiveness. Number two, someone does you wrong and you don't respond correctly. Now that's a big one. Someone, the, 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 the other reason why you need to ask for forgiveness is someone offended you, which you're an innocent bystander. And someone offended you, but you didn't respond properly. Now you're wrong. And you need to ask for forgiveness. And the way our, our minds work, we're saying to ourselves, 
how in the world you do something to me to offend me and I should be going to you to ask you to forgive me. I shouldn't ask you anything. You offended me. I was just an innocent bystander. But if you are striving to be like Christ, and if you're striving to be a true Christian, you need to realize that no matter how much they offended you, you still had no right to respond in an improper way. So once you responded in a proper way, and you come to understand that you did, then now you have to go and ask for forgiveness. Those are the two situations where you need to ask for forgiveness. So, what is the reason that we've been teaching on this subject? We've been teaching on this subject, first of all, this subject is a heaven or hell issue. Hopefully by now, when you hear me say heaven or hell issue, you understand what it means. When I say heaven and hell issue, it means this is an issue that you have to get right because if you don't get it right, you can miss out on eternal life, heaven. So there are some subjects in the Bible that's a heaven or hell issue. If you don't get that right, you will not make it in eternity. And there are some subjects, they're not a heaven and hell issue, but they're still in the Bible. So for instance, when will Jesus return for his church? Before the tribulation? while the tribulation is going on, or after the tribulation. Those, th- that question is not a heaven and hell issue. And many people talk about that all the time. But whether you're right or wrong in that topic, guess what? That will not be a heaven and hell issue. If you get it right, great. You get it wrong, so what? If you just keep living for God, you'll be fine. But forgiveness is a heaven and hell issue And so we must realize that we have to get that right. That's not one we can just debate and then keep moving. Mm -mm. We have to get that right. So that's one of the reasons why we have been teaching on this subject for so long. Listen, when you have really listened and take on what I've taught in forgiveness, guess what? You will know how to take care of when you get offended or when you offend someone. We struggle with this. When you get offended or when you offend someone, you need to handle it the right way. And most of us don't handle it the right way. Most of us are uncomfortable handling it the right way. And so we're teaching on this subject forgiveness so we all can handle this subject the right way. So whether it's us offending someone or whether we have been offended and we responded in the wrong way, we need to understand how to handle that. A lot of church issues comes from us not knowing how to handle offenses. That's usually what causes church problems. We don't know how to handle offenses. You get offended and we start doing all these different things. We do everything except for forgiving. Remember what I talked about? That what we resort to when, we, when, when, when there's offense, we either resort to restitution, which is try to restore something back to the original state, but that's impossible. Or we retaliate, which means we try to pay them back. That's not going to do anything because 
payback just starts a, 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 a chain reaction. We talked about resentment, which means you just resent the person. But resentment is harmful to the person who is offended. So it's not wise to begin to resent someone because they did you wrong and they didn't apologize. That only hurts you. We also, you know, have reservation, which means we start withholding ourselves from them, withholding things because they offended us. That's not going to help anything. Or we try to use roll off. We ignore it. Act like it didn't happen. That's not true. That's not going to work. Right. And then we try to forget it. Oh, they hurt. They, they did this to me. We try to. None of those things can take the place of forgiveness. So the only way we get past offense and make it right and put ourselves in position for eternal life is by forgiving. The Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. I'm going to say that again. The Bible is not written to tell everyone else what their responsibility is to me. But the Bible is written to tell me what my responsibility is to everybody else. So when you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible to start saying, mm-hmm, they was wrong. Mm-hmm, I knew it. See, that's what the word said. You're not reading the Bible to try to figure out what someone else is doing. You're reading the Bible to know what you're supposed to do. And the moment you're reading the Bible to try to figure out what someone should do because they were wrong, you're wrong. Read the Bible, learn the Bible, receive the teachings of the Bible to help you know how to live for God. Somebody say amen. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell me what everyone else should do, but it does tell me what I must do. That's very important. And so I want to draw your attention tonight to Matthew chapter 18. If you start in verse number one in Matthew chapter 18, you're going to see that this chapter deals with offense. This chapter deals with offense. So if you start in one and you start going down, you'll see all of this stuff is about offense, offense, offense. And so God has given us this text so we understand how to deal with offense. Now, I am going to show you a true example of forgiveness in action. How this whole forgiveness thing is, is operating. So I want to tell you this. I want you to get yourself to a place where you're motivated by forgiveness. You see, if you're not motivated according to forgiveness or motivated by forgiveness, what you're going to find yourself doing without realizing it is being skeptical and ready to retaliate. But when you're motivated, also too, when you're motivated by forgiveness, you will always look for the good in a situation. <laughs> It's easier to look for the good in a situation than look for the bad. 
Because once you find out the bad, you will find yourself having to now figure out what should I do about this? Oh, yeah. So we make our lives more difficult, Brother Scarlett, all the time because we're digging into the bad. As opposed to when somebody starts down the road of the bad. Hold on. Well, let's think about the good about this. It's easier to live according to the works of goodness than to live according to the works of evil and bad. Look for good in all the situations. Can you believe they did this? The first thing I want to think about is, well, maybe they've been going through something lately and we just don't know. But if I jump on the, the, the bandwagon and say, yeah, what's up with that? Now we're all dabbling in the negative. Yeah, what's up with that? As opposed to just saying, ah, you know, it must be something. It must be something that they're going through. When we go down that road, the conversation gets shorter. Because that kind of bring everything to a halt. That as Christian, if we realize somebody did something to offend and we're saying, well, maybe they've been going through something lately, then you don't have any reason to bash them. You don't have any reason to talk negative about them. Because if they're going through something, then maybe that's the real reason why they did what they did. So we need to pray for them. Uh, I didn't get a warm reception for that. Matthew chapter 18. Let's jump down to verse 23. Uh-oh, audio visual telling me what to talk about. All right, audio visual. Who is calling me? They must not know I have, I'm in church. Yes, yeah, probably that lady that I talked to today, but she's crazy. If I tell her 730, she said, are you the pastor? I said, yeah. All right, it's 730. Maybe she just don't understand. Maybe she just thinks she can call the pastor anytime she wants because somebody else will just teach and the pastor will be available to talk to her anytime she wants. Maybe she just don't understand this whole church thing and we really do teach Bible study on Thursdays and maybe she just didn't understand that. So guess what? Let's just pray for her. <laughs> well, she know where we where we are. I told her exactly where we are. 2711 Nottingham Way. As a matter of fact, we're inside the Mercerville Fire Company. Oh, really? Yes, come on in. She's got it. So she really want her little gift that we can give to her. She just need to be here. All right. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. He's come to settle his account with his servants. And when he had began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Make a note of that. 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, meaning dude didn't have the 10,000, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. You owe me 10,000 talents? Can I have my 10,000 talents? Oh, Lord, I don't have 10,000. Well, we're going to sell you, your spouse, 
and your children and whatever else you have in your possession. We selling all of that so I can get my money. That's what's going on. Verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, guy that he was a servant alongside, which owed him a hundred pence. Remember, he owed his master what? Okay. 10,000 talents is way super more than a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Make sure you're paying attention to all this because these are some things here I want to share with you before we close up here tonight. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on the fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. <laughs> so a lot that's going on here. A lot that's going on here. The first thing is you have to wonder what was going on with him. For him who had just been forgiven, I mean, a great debt. And he now confronts someone that owe him a far lesser debt. And he would not forgive him. That servant is not motivated by forgiveness. And that's why I said to you tonight, we need to pray and ask God to move in our heart that we're motivated by forgiveness. That we are ready to forgive before the situation even occurred. Remember the father of the prodigal son? He's, he was motivated by forgiveness. 
he was ready to forgive his son before his son even ever came to him to say, Father, I messed up. And we have to be motivated by forgiveness to be ready to forgive someone before they even mess up. That's what it means to be motivated by forgiveness is you already have that built in in you and have that in you to say when someone mess up, the first thing I want to think about is forgiving them. As opposed to looking for things and reasons as to why I just can't forgive them. If I haven't learned anything about life, I've learned this. You need to know what you will do in every situation before the situation comes. Too many people say, man, I don't know if I was in that situation what I would do. You need to know what you would do in that situation before it ever comes. It may never come, but know what you will do before it ever comes. And that only can be done by your relationship with God where you know I wouldn't have a choice anyway because of my relationship with God. So if someone took out one of your relatives, you're supposed to already know because of my relationship with God, I don't have a choice. I am not even going to contemplate what I could do or should do or how I should feel. That's not me. So you can't even begin to say, well, I don't know. You don't understand. What don't I understand? If you're motivated by forgiveness, there's nothing to discuss. But that's not how we operate. We always want to err on that side of thinking that this hurts so bad that I have the right to behave any way I want. This is so bad that I have the right. Was it worse than what they did to Stephen? Did anybody stone you? Did anybody bite on you while they were stoning you? Did, 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 did anybody treat you like they treated Christ, strip him naked and put him on a cross? putting a crown of thorn in his head, beating him 39 times. Did anybody do, do that to you? Nails in his hands, nails in his hands, nails in his Did anybody do that to you? So why do you think you have the right to behave any other way than being motivated by forgiveness? You don't have the right. I don't have the right. Because it's forgiveness why we have a chance to go to heaven. Without forgiveness, none of us in here or anywhere would have hope or would have an opportunity to spend eternity with Christ without forgiveness. So we have to be a people of God that is motivated by forgiveness. Hmm. You know, here's something that is interesting. lot of interesting points about this this thing here let me share this with you it's interesting 
how God, when the servant first, you know that's referring to us in the Lord, but let me go in this story. When the servant first went to his master and the master said, pay up. And he says, I don't have it. Give me some time. And the master was like, no, 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 we're going to throw you in, and we're going to sell you. And he was like, please have mercy on me. You know, give me some time. The Lord didn't call him a wicked servant because he owed him. But when he failed to forgive his fellow servant, the Lord called him wicked. Better read your Bible and know this is what I mean by stop reading service. He wasn't wicked when he owed his master. The master just probably, I guess the master would call him, you know, not a good steward over, over what he had entrusted him with. But he didn't call him evil. Didn't call him wicked. And then he gave him a break by forgiving the debt. But when he did not forgive someone else, his master called him wicked. When you don't forgive somebody, God look at you as wicked. It's time we get in the word of God and stop living on the surface. We don't forgive people. We're wicked in the eyes of God. In the eyes of the one that forgave the world. In the eyes of the one who died for the world. He considers us wicked when we don't forgive. We need to be motivated by forgiveness. It can't just be something we contemplate. Well, let me. No. No. It's supposed to just flow. Because it's who we are. We're people that was forgiven. And so we're sharing and showing the same that was done for us. The other thing that's ignorant about us is when you lock somebody up in jail, they don't have an opportunity to make it right with you. <laughs> Help us, Holy Ghost. So let's just say someone offended you and you decide to use one of these. Uh, alternatives, whether it's ignoring them, being resentful, one of those things, that's locking them up in jail. If you, if you begin to just show reservation where I just don't deal with you, I just withhold things from you, you begin to show that kind of behavior to what, tell me how do they make it right with you? You lock them up in jail. So what we don't realize, what we do is when we don't forgive people, it will never get right because guess what? You didn't give them the opportunity to make it right. This is why God treated us the way that he treats us. This is why he forgives us because he wants to give us the opportunity to make right what we have done wrong. He knows if I lock you up, there's nothing you can ever do. You're stuck. You have no hope. So before I lock you up, it seemed pretty simple that the, that, that, that the, that the Lord said to him, it didn't take much. He, all he said was, be patient with me and I'll pay you all. And the word of God says his Lord forgave him the debt. It didn't say that he took a week. He pondered for a little, he forgave him because he knows 
You're more valuable to me free than you are bound. Oh, 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 my God, help us. I can't get over saying this again and again and again. Get out of the surfaceness of the word of God. I'm not telling you that we don't start at the surface. We do. And so we start at the surface and we learn it. But stay right there and don't you do anything different. Don't challenge the word. Don't try to negotiate the word. Just stay at the surface until God reveal more to you because you're hearing it from me that there's so much more about the text, about the word of God, about the scriptures that we don't know when we first get it. And we don't want to move off of it and start negotiating and say, well, it's not that serious. No, don't do that, please. Let God give you more revelation. And then you, be, you understand the seriousness of it and you realize I'm doing what God said. It shouldn't be that way because, Brother D, we should know if God said it, that's all it needs to be. It's in the word of God. Let's do it. But I'm appealing to our intellect tonight because I know how we are. We're intelligent beings and we're sharp. So the thing about it is whenever we read stuff in the Bible, we hear it preach, we start to analyze it on our own. And we try to make sense of it on our own. And then we decide whether it's important enough for us to do or not do on our own. (laughs) Help us, Holy Ghost. Lord didn't call him wicked until he failed to forgive someone. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, What's interesting about that, too, there's a part in in, in the story where when they decide that he was going to be sold, the one that owed his Lord the debt the first time around, he was going to be sold, him, his wife, and his children. He didn't want to be sold. That's when he started begging for mercy. You know that God treats you good. You know God has been good to you. But unfortunately, we don't show the appreciation to God that we should show to him to say, we know you've been good to us. And it's not until we get into a situation where we realize, oh my goodness, I am messing up here. The goodness of the Lord compared to everything else is no comparison. But it's not until we should never get to a place of where we think that, okay, it's between this situation and God. Why should we ever get to that place to begin to cry out to our God and say, no, Lord, you are just so good to me. We aren't supposed to ever be at a place to ever think of any situation or any person that's better for us than almighty God. And every once in a while, God will call you bluff. And let the tormentor come after you so you can realize what kind of God he is compared to what you're trying to go after. Every once in a while, God is going to let your tormentor come. He's going to let the one that don't love you come after you. He's going to allow it because you're acting like you don't appreciate him and the goodness of him. Uh huh. Listen. When we do not respond properly to God's grace and God's truth, we subject ourselves to deception and destruction. 
when we don't respond properly to God's truth, to God's grace, we put ourselves in a position to be deceived and to be destroyed. Again, when you look at that surfaceness of the word and look at the surface of the word and make it no big deal, you're putting yourself in a position to be deceived or to be destroyed. The Lord showed his servant grace by saying, all right, I'm not going to sell you. I'm not going to sell your wife. I'm not going to sell your kids. I'm not going to sell you stuff. I'm going to let you free, forgive you of your debt. You'll be good to go. And instead of, my God, that's the point right there. And instead of that servant deciding that, I better make good with this opportunity. He went straight to go make bad of it. That's our world today. It's so much in this story. That's our world today. God has shown us grace. He has shown us goodness. He has shown us mercy. And what we do, we take it and go do wrong. We take it and go do evil. We take it and go and do what God didn't want us to do. But it don't hurt God. It only hurt us. Who eventually got delivered to the tormentors? Not, not the Lord. He got delivered to the tormentors because when he received the grace and the truth of his Lord, instead of him being grateful, instead of him being thankful, instead of him living a life of gratefulness and thankfulness and gratitude to say, wow, this has been really good. I don't deserve this. But man, oh man, is my Lord so good to me. I didn't deserve the goodness of my Lord. But since he's been good to me, I'm going to take this and make good of it. But no, that's not what we do. Usually when God shows us grace and goodness, we take it and we go and do bad and God said what are you doing that's our relationship with God that's our situation with God for majority of our world God has shown us grace mercy truth and guess what we do we take it and run with it I am still on this subject that I can't get out of it's in my mind why I'm speaking it and so we take it and run with it and try to make life so much more better for us as according to our own understanding oh I need to be comfortable oh this is just too much so everybody run away from the apostolic church because they say it's too much it's too much. Y'all got too much standards. Y'all got too much requirements. And you never stop to say how good God has been to you. I need, I need, I need to be appreciative. I need to be thankful. I need to be show my gratitude. I need to show my respect and my love because God has been so good. No, we say God is so good that I can live however I want. God is so good that I can look however I want. God is so good that it doesn't matter what I look like. It's okay. God has set me here to preach to you whether you do it or you don't do it. That's what he set me here to do. And I don't have a choice. It goes for me too. 
So I'm not preaching to you and leave myself out. It goes for me too. But what I am telling you is God will not leave me alone. He wants me to continue to declare and tell you that righteousness is right, that holiness is right. And we better stop looking at God's commandments to our life as some grievous, hard, you know, the thing that just is inconvenient to us. He wants us to get to a place where we enjoy it, where we appreciate it, where we look forward to say, I I do want to look holy. I do want to live righteous. I do want to go through whatever hoops I got to jump through to please him. I want to do it. I want to jump through whatever hoops. I want to do whatever I got to do. I want my God to know I do appreciate what he has done for me. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking for easy way. I'm not looking for convenience. I'm looking to show God that I appreciate him and that I'm thankful because he's been gracious. He's been merciful. He didn't have to give me all this opportunity to get it right, but he did. The least I can do is show him how much I appreciate him. Not look for an easy way out. We're looking for easy way out. Instead of just be grateful, man. Be grateful, man. That God has been so good to you. What he went through to give you eternal life. You couldn't even scratch the surface of that kind of sacrifice. And when he says, be holy for I am holy, we're struggling. Oh, you know. That's just too much. I mean, I, I mean, what's wrong with just running outside? I mean, look at, I mean, nothing wrong with this, right? Nothing wrong with it in your mind. Because you want to make as less sacrifice as possible as you can. Whatever is the easiest way out of this, that's all you want. And my question to you, according to the word of God, is that why God gave you grace? Is that why God forgave you? Is that why God showed you mercy for you to look for the easiest way or for you to do it the way he wants you to do it? It's so much more behind what he's asking you to do, what he's commanding you to do. It's so much more behind it. Stop taking in the word of God according to your own understanding. I'll say this before I close. Whatever... This is probably for seasoned Christians more than anybody else. Whatever you're planning to stop doing that you were taught to do when you first got saved, before you start doing it, how about you search that scripture and dig into that word and get all the meaning and all the understanding and pray to God for revelation as to why he asked you or commanded you to do it from the first place. How about we do that? Because I don't understand how we started out one way because we were taught this. All of a sudden now, it's nothing wrong with not doing it that way. And all that comes down to is you never dug any deeper in the scripture. I'm gonna, that's where I'm putting it. You didn't dig any deeper. So whatever surface understanding you had of being holy, of being righteous, of being a Christian, whatever surface understanding you had, you left it right there and you never dug. 
I'm going to say this again, and I'm closing with this. This is taking a different direction. The other night, God gave me a revelation. And the revelation was, we are teaching in our discipleship class on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. via Zoom. We're teaching on holiness. And before I got into teaching, the Holy Ghost kind of put into my spirit to say this. And that is, some of you might not know, but I used to work at a surgery center in Princeton. At Princeton Medical Center when it was on Witherspoon Street. Before it went over there. And so I worked two jobs and I would still work at the restaurant. But I would work at the hospital in the morning. And at four o'clock when I'm done, I go up top and work at the Nassau Inn. So I used to work in same day surgery in the surgery center. And so I had a little understanding. I was one of the ones that cleaned the OR room and always get it up and running again for every surgery. Dr. Wong used to do 20 eye surgery one day. Dr. Drimmer, which he was the celebrity uh, doctor because he was the plastic surgeon. And Dr. Drimmer coming, he knew he was the man. Oh, man, Drimmer knew he was the man. He was the only doctor that had an airplane, a boat, and, you know, about five cars. But he was a show off because he had it going on. But my point is, I worked there and I watched. And the Lord brought that back to my memory to say, Wayne, remember those doctors before they went into the OR room. What did they have to do, Wayne? I remember them standing up by that scrub sink and, 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 and they didn't use their hands to turn on the water. And the water started coming down and they would scrub, not just wash, scrub, scrub, scrub. The, the nurses that's working, scrub, 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 right? They had their gown that they had to put on. They had to cover their head and all of that stuff. And they, you know, eyes, everything covered up. And then when they go in, had the gloves on, when they go in, the, 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 I want to say utensils, but, 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 but the instruments that they use, they were sterile already and they were all in containers, plastic, that, that's airtight seal. So when you go into that room, those nurses and doctors, that's all sterile. Now they open up these things that's also sterile. And God is dealing with me on that the other night. He says, Wayne, that's the physical body that I, your God, created, that they have to get sterile to work on the physical body. They had to be clean to go and do surgery on physical body. He says, Wayne, I called you for such a time as this. And I called you and sanctified you. I set you aside for my service. So now the service that you're doing is not physical. It's spiritual. That's a higher calling. Now think about that for a second. If the doctors that's working on physical body got to be sterile and use sterile, sterile instruments, and you're called to a higher calling to minister to people, to do the work of the spirit of God, you're called to do that. How sterile should you be? That's what I mean by going deep in the word. So all these people that are questioning holiness, let me tell you to tell them they ain't ready to do the work of God. They don't want to do the work of God, because if you want to do the work of God, you realize that God has called you and set you aside to be holy, to be sanctified so you can do the work that is deeper than any other work that can be done in this earth. Spiritual. 
I love doctors and we need them. But the work that you and I have been called to is greater than what the doctors do. And if the doctors got to be there scrubbing and getting themselves right to be sanctified in their kind of way, what should we do in reaching people? That's how deep holiness go. And we running around. I don't feel like wearing that. I don't feel like looking that way. Are you kidding me? You think that's what God care about? How you look, what you put on? God is saying, I called you to be sterile, sanctified, set aside, because I got work for you to do. I want to work through you. Can I just work through you like a donkey? I sure can, but that's not my way of doing things. You are my people that are called by my name. You've been chosen before the foundation of the world. I've sanctified you before you was out of your mother's womb so you can be a servant unto me. And so I've called you to serve me at a high level in a level where you're sanctified and you're holy. That's what I've called you to do. I can work through anybody, but the way I do it right is through Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. You know who wasn't sanctified? You know who wasn't sanctified? Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't we do wonderful works in your name? They weren't holy. And Jesus said, Jesus said, depart from me for I never knew you. The Bible says, be holy like I'm holy. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So you go figure that out in the word of God. Figure that out in the word of God. If the ones that did miracles, God worked through them and they did wonderful things. God said, I didn't know you. You know what that meant? They weren't holy. They weren't holy, but God used them anyhow because God's will is to save all that will call upon him to be saved. So God used them anyhow, but he says, I can use you, but you still won't be with me because you got to be holy to be with me. You got to be holy to see me. You got to be holy to live in the kingdom. So to worry about what you need to wear and how you need to look. You're so far behind. Ask God to help you catch up. Ask God to help you get where you got to get to. When you start worrying about what I'm wearing, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's, that's trivial to God. God's got bigger plans, bigger fish to fry. So God wants you to understand. This text is warning us. Of the penalty when we don't forgive. And I believe when you're holy, you will be motivated by forgiveness. I really do. And if we're going to really serve the Lord and be effective in the Lord, we have to be holy. And we have to forgive. We got to be motivated by forgiveness. We can't be weighing the scales to, to, to see how bad the situation was as to what anyone did to us. We can't weigh those scales. We're not judges. We're not sitting uh, uh, behind the, the desk and having our gavel. We, that's not us. Much has been forgiven us. And so we need to forgive without hesitation. No hesitation. When someone offends you and do you wrong, let Forgiveness motivates you. Oh, no big deal. And if you want to make it easier on yourself, 
do like Stephen did, do like Jesus did, and say they don't know what they did. You see why I tell you all the time, always look for the good in it? Because at the end of the day, if we can say, maybe it's just what they're going through. What you're saying in essence is, maybe they don't really understand what they're doing because of what they're going through. And when you think like that, you will be motivated to say, I forgive you, it's no big deal. That's what, that's what Stephen said. Hold not this charge to them, Lord. Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How about we hold that position all the time, that when people offend us, I'm, don't even think twice, forgive them. Something is wrong. The prodigal son, the Bible says, and when he came to himself. So listen to me. When he was spending his inheritance in riotous living, it must mean he wasn't in, it wasn't himself. You follow where I'm going with this? Now, you couldn't tell him then that he wasn't himself. All he knows is I'm enjoying my inheritance. I'm having a good time. In his mind, he is in his right mind. It wasn't until he got broke. It wasn't until he found himself in a pig pen that he realized, what am I doing? I'm not even in my right mind. So we think a lot of times people are in their right mind, but sin and unrighteousness and unholiness make you think you're in your right mind when you're not. So why don't we just get ahead of the game and say they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what's going on. So let me just forgive them. Let's stand. I pray that somehow I communicated something to you that can help you. I pray that this will be a lesson that you can really hold on to and, 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 and allow it to just brew and grow and just expand in your spirit. Because this is no joke. This is a heaven and hell topic. It's not just any kind of topic. It's something that we need to learn from and apply to our life so we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ when we leave this earth. It is very key and important and essential that we get this right. This is not one of those things that we can just intellectually take on and say, yeah, 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 I hear you, Pastor. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. This is the season, Lord God, where people are given. This is the season, Lord God, where people are hurting, where people, oh God, are depressed, where people are struggling, Lord God, from different things, Lord God. But Lord God, I pray that for everyone that is in this house, for everyone, Lord God, that have joined us via live stream, Lord God, that Father, we will become motivated by forgiveness, Lord God, that we will be motivated by forgiveness, Lord, that, Lord, for every person who offend us, the first thing will come to our mind is to forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, God, help us tonight to, to be a people, Lord God, that will live out the word of God and not just be hearers of the word of God. Help us to be a people that will be holy, for without holiness, 
no man shall see the Lord. Oh God, take out of us, Lord God, the desires that is unholy, the desires that are unrighteous. Take out of us, Lord God, all that is unclean, that, Lord, we may be sanctified, set aside unto the use of God. Father, I pray tonight that you will do a supernatural divine work in us tonight, Lord God, of people that will become holy, 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 a people, Lord God, that will be motivated by forgiveness, 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 Lord God, that we will not judge our brothers and sisters, that we will not hold to their charge, Lord God, any offense against them, but we will be motivated, oh God, by forgiveness, and so forgive them of their sins, Lord God, and their offense, Lord God. Father, I pray tonight that the word of God will resonate in our spirits, that the word of God will resonate in our heart, Lord God, that this word will take root in us, and it will grow and produce good fruit. Oh God, have your way. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Lord, we want to do your will. We want to do your will, Lord God. We want to be used of you in a right way, Lord God. We don't want you to use us, but we don't know you, Lord God. But we want to know you. We want to be your friend, Lord God. Oh, your children, and have right relationship with you, that you may work through us, that we may work in harmony to do the will of God. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus, to leave this place changed, to leave this place, Lord God, with a desire, a passion, a determination, Lord God, to be motivated by forgiveness, to be motivated to be holy. Oh, God, have your way tonight. We praise you, and we love you, and we honor you, and we give you praise, Lord. There is none like you. Father, I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that the blessings of God will continue to flow in our life, and that you will help us to be a blessing one to another to be an encouragement one to another as we give you the praise and the honor. We thank you tonight, Lord God, and we bless your name. Oh, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, I love you. And oh, God, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of the kingdom and be a part of your church. Oh, I love your church. And all I want to do is help you to be the best you in Christ. I only have one motive, and that is to help you to be the best you in Christ. I'm here to serve Jesus. And it goes beyond me. I'm just here to serve him. He chose me, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to do all that he called me to do. And I pray you will do the same. Do all that God has put into your heart to do. Love him, serve him, and let him have his way. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night in Jesus' name.